You are listening to Peach Neon Pink Ramblings, the podcast. <laughs> Ramblings of a K drama fanatic with thoughts about Korean dramas, movies, music, and beauty. These are my thoughts about life, pop culture, and other really random things. New episodes mostly every week, mostly on Mondays, sometimes on different days. But follow us on our socials at Peach Neon Pink. There's two N's after neon. For more random, random, random <laughs> ramblings, head on over to my website at www.peachneonpink.com. Again, neon has two N's. Welcome everybody, we're back on Peach Neon Pink Ramblings, the podcast where I talk about everything Korean entertainment related. 
it's been a long while. I think I did the last episode like a close to a month ago, almost. Yeah. Um, things has just been really busy um, in terms of life. I know um, if you haven't been living underneath a rock, uh, we're in the midst of a pandemic. So uh, I've kind of been busy with my my uh, day job because I am um, actually a nurse. So it's been kind of crazy few weeks um, getting ready for the surge of people who would eventually get infected with the virus since it's spreading so fast and making sure that we're able to take care of these patients so um and also just doing like my part in kind of distancing myself from people since i am you know a person that would be most likely to be in contact with somebody infected with the virus so you don't want to like i don't want to carry that and spread that to people um so it's it's been it's been stressful lately (laughs) But since lately here in California, we're doing a lot of social distancing and actually uh, shelter in place. We're hunkering down and trying to stay at home. So it is actually the perfect time to be recording a podcast because I've pretty much almost watched my way through Vicky and Netflix. So um, I've watched a lot of movies and a lot of shows lately and there's not much else to do but to do a podcast, I guess. So um, this is podcast episode 17 officially. So welcome guys to the 17th episode of Peach and Young Pink Ramblings, a podcast. And we're actually going to talk about something pretty like, I don't know, maybe it's just my, my, my nurse, like a healthcare professional humor. Like uh, we do tend to have like a dark sense of humor um, and you you would get it if you work in the same field. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about Kingdom, which is on Netflix. It is It has returned for its second season. And um, you, you're gonna, you, you guys are going to get why it's a little bit of a dark humor in a bit um, after the break. Hey guys, we are back on Peach Neon Pink Ramblings, the podcast where we talk about everything Korean entertainment related, including Korean dramas. And like I said in the intro, we are in a new world where there is a pandemic going around. And um, I am just want to say I'm not trying to make light of the situation. Um, it's only because I am a healthcare professional that we do kind of have a little bit of this like weird type of humor um, just to deal with what we see every day at work. So um, not that, you know, I would say try to be between like being in a panicky mode and being complacent. Like I think that's the best way. Like um, don't dismiss this coronavirus or COVID-19 that's going around. But also don't like hoard toilet paper like every other person (laughs) has been doing lately. Um, Let's talk about this Korean series called Kingdom. Um, Weirdly enough, ironically, I remember watching Kingdom, like the first season of Kingdom sometime last year. I think it was, I think it premiered in the beginning of last year as well around spring on Netflix. It's one of... um, their push for their uh original korean content 
Um, it premiered uh, in January, I believe, in 2019 last year. And back then, it was just like this fun uh, fusion type of genre of Korean drama that's very well produced. Um, and then flash forward to now in March 2020, uh, like I said, we're in the middle of a pandemic, if I, hasn't, if I haven't said that enough. Um, and now eerily, this series is kind of a little bit disconcerting, a little bit more scary, a little bit more of a horror thriller kind of feeling to me. Um, when, when I first watched it, it was just kind of like, oh, it's like these zombie type of characters, kind of like Game of Thrones, but a, like so much better executed. Um, and then now my, my healthcare professional brain is just like equating it to the coronavirus uh which is maybe a reason why kingdom season two might not be good to watch on netflix while you're trying to do social distancing and um staying at home um but for me it's actually uh quite fun to be watching (laughs) this series because it it has enough of a fantasy that you kind of separate yourself and away from the current events and anxiety that goes along with that. So anyways, let's talk about Kingdom. Um, it is, like I said, the first season premiered in the beginning of last year. It is adapted from this web series called, uh, it's a webtoon called the, the Kingdom of Gods, which was authored by uh, Kim Yoon-hee, who was actually also the screenwriter for um, this K-drama adaptation. Um, you might, re- If you're a K-drama watcher, you might recognize um, Kim Yoon-hee as the writer behind this hugely popular series um, back in 2006, 2005 somehow, um, called Signal. It was like one of like the big blockbuster Korean dramas back in that time. Um, and this one is certainly a hit. Um, I'm going to read you guys a bit of a summary. Sort of. I got it from, um, Wikipedia, which is one of my favorite sources of synopsis for Korean dramas. Um, so here we go. Kingdom, and the synopsis is set in Korea's Joseon period a few years after the Japanese invasions of Korea. The first season depicts the story of Crown Prince Lee Chang, who becomes embroiled in a coup or political conspiracy and is forced to embark upon a mission to investigate the spread of a mysterious undead plague that has beset the current emperor in the country's southern provinces. The story starts with a notice on a billboard claiming that the king of Joseon is dead and the crown prince should be crowned immediately as the new king. However, inside the palace, the king is known to be severely sick and has has been secretly treated for the past 10 days. No one is allowed to visit the king, not even the crown prince himself. Late at night, the crown prince sneaks out to visit his father, wanting to know the truth, but instead of his father, he encounters a silhouette of a beastly monster. Accompanied by the physician Seobi, the enigmatic Yonshin, Yonshin, and his personal guard Muyang, Prince Li Chang was to prevent the advance of the plague towards his home capital of Hanyang, 
while addressing the sinister coup masterminded by Minister Cho Hakju and his family aimed towards his deposition from the throne. The second season centers on the advancement of the plague across several provinces in the lead-up to halting the outbreak, a devastation, devastating revelation ensues at Sangju. Upon the arrival of the winter season, undead hordes now roam freely due to a change in ambient temperature. Fearing the ramifications of an imminent invasion, Prince Li Chang attempts to garner support from his allies to stop the undead and reclaim his right to the throne. Unbeknownst to the prince, another conspiracy for political gain is brewing within the corrupt Heiwon Cho clan. As the queen consort Cho schemes to steal a male newborn to cement as heir to the royal throne, she further orchestrates a last-ditch strategy to use the plague against the citizens of Hanyan if her former plan fails to succeed. As calamity looms among the living, only one question remains. Can the prince save his people in time and end the political turmoil at the capital? Or will the plague mark the end of the Joseon dynasty? So that was like a pretty eventful like summary or synopsis of this Korean drama. Um, I've I've seen a lot of people react to this kind of the same way they reacted to Game of Thrones because it has that similar feeling, I think. Um, but if you are a fan of Korean dramas like I am, and I do have my fair share of favorite Seguks, you know, um, most recently, My Country, The New Age, uh, with Yang Sejong, um, which I previously re- talked about in this podcast, I believe a couple episodes back. Um, historical dramas are just, or Seguks are just so, so amazing to watch as it is. Even the more like kind of low budget rom com ones, um, more along the veins of romantic historian Go Rong, who um, is still so much enjoyable for me, just because I love seeing how they reinvent Korean history. Um, and me as somebody who is not Korean and discovering that part of the Korean culture is just so educational. I mean, most of it is like fusion in Seguk that's not completely historical accurate. But I think that's the fun in it because if you watch a lot of Seguks, you kind of can almost discern like which is real history and which is like the fusion part where they kind of add a little bit of the modern sensibilities in it. So um, what actually drew me to watching Kingdom, even the first season, was that it is just so gorgeously shot. Uh, even in the first season, where the I, I feel like the budget was a little bit lower uh, compared to season two, um, it's still such a beautifully cinematically shot Korean drama. Um, what's different about this Korean drama, actually, because it's... Um, between season one and season two, each season is only um, six episodes, which are about a little bit less than an hour, I believe. Um, it's kind of hard to tell because when you're watching it, it's just so much is going on that you can't really kind of like time just passes by and you don't realize that you've been watching this for a while. Um, so between the two seasons, it's not even like the amount of episodes that a normal Korean drama would get. I mean, the normal Korean drama, if it's like set in the modern, like a modern setting type of Korean drama would be usually like 16 episodes, 
20 at the most. Um, and sometimes there's segoks that are actually like 24 episodes. Um, I mean, I think it's very, or at least from my knowledge, it's quite rare to to see a Korean drama that's a segok that's like more than like 24 episodes. So at 12 episodes between two seasons already, it is like really like tightly packed. And this is this type of uh, format um kind of like i feel like it's a it's it's half like a western type of episodic format cuz it's short uh it's shorter like amount of episodes or at least amount a uh, lesser amount of episodes um and kind of coupled with like the sensibilities of a korean production which it is um so when you mix the two, it just creates a story that's just so much more compelling. And uh, like I said, very cinematic because how they shot it was like the six the six um, episodes, even in season one and especially in season two, the six episodes almost all functioned like six separate, like two hour, like theatrical film. Um, and in that way, I think it's quite similar to um game of thrones especially the last few seasons because um in the last few seasons there were so much less episodes but there were almost kind of like a movie within a series um so i think for me that's what makes me compare it to game of thrones as somebody who watched the entire run of game of thrones um and enjoyed it for the most part um it it kind this is what like uh, made me compare kingdom to it but the beauty of kingdom is that it's just executed so much better um in game of thrones you have the white walkers and here you have um the infected of the plague they don't really necessarily call them zombies zombies in this like series i mean the, in the in the series, they call it they call it gemul, which I think is like uh, Korean for for monster. I don't know if that's the direct translation, but gemul seems to be like gemul. Gemul is so seems to be like that term for monsters or a monstrous thing. Um, from what I know from watching Korean dramas, it's used in dialogues quite a lot. So it's one of those Korean vocabulary words that I kind of remember after. A f- for after years of watching Korean dramas, um, they don't really call them zombies, and they're a lot more frightening because in typical zombie type of movies, they move a little bit slower, and character uh characteristically in zombie theme or zombie type of movies in Korea, um, the zombies actually are so much faster. Um, even in uh, Gong Yu's movie, uh, Train to Busan, which is one of the very famous um, zombie apocalyptic like uh, movies in Korea uh, that got famous around the world, is that they actually move quite fast and they actually have superhuman strength. They're not like sluggishly just going, trying to catch you and eat your brains. Um, here, um, the zombies are like running crazy fast. Fa- like 
pass towards like the gates of the palace and they're like jumping and like doing all this like parkour moves on top of each other like eating uh, and biting like humans and it's like so frightening because when you're watching it you're just like oh my god oh my god it's just like blood everywhere and um not that the blood really phases me (laughs) i mean it's one of the perks of like working in healthcare like bodily fluids don't really like phase you that much and it's not like as gross as it would be but it's just like the the impact of it what how it's shot that actually got me because the way the shots are positioned and how the scenes are cut um the jump scares are not just jump scares it's just you're just like kind of cough caught off guard for a little while it kind of like throughout the both season one and season two it lulls you into this this kind of like false sense of like security because there's some moments that there is a bit of co- uh, like a comedic break um to it and then it lulls you to this false sense of security while you're watching and then bam there's something like happens like you know there's like a uh a game like a monster that just pops out and like bites like the tongue off like a, a human or something and it's like crazy um they don't they don't really spare it on like the gore and everything of the whole thing and in in that way it's a lot more visceral um i think because it's set in like the joseon dynasty it's like you really feel like the plight of these people because they don't have the weaponry they don't have the artillery that you would think they would need to um kind of like defeat a plague of zombies um like i said that's why there for me there's so much similarities to watching game of thrones because game of thrones is inherently like a medieval um setting so they had swords they had um bow and arrows and stuff like that and uh you would see here in kingdom that they were like literally like slashing and slicing off um the zombies heads with like swords and like in the second season they had like guns but it's the type of like really primitive um type of guns that you have to manually load gunpowder on it and then it only shots shoots one so it's not a very effective weapon against a horde of zombies because you need to have like faster artillery to like shoot them in the head so um you can really feel the tension and the heroicness of the entire thing because uh, it's like a small group of people fighting against this like huge, huge plague. Um, Let me kind of like backtrack and talk about the cast because this Korea drama, uh, I feel like because it is backed by Netflix that it actually... Um, has such a good ensemble cast. Let's talk about um, the main character, uh, Ju Ji-hoon, um, that Ju Ji-hoon plays. It's, uh, the character's name is Crown Prince Lee Chang. So um, Ju Ji-hoon, I, I know this actor from like more than 10 years ago because I remember watching his debut Korean drama uh called Princess Hours with Yoon Yoon Hae and uh Song Ji Yo um if you guys know her from Korean variety show Running Man uh this was way before she was in Running Man this was 
um, way back when they were all rookie actors and they were starting off in this kind of like teeny bopper romantic comedy about um, like the whole premise of Princess Hours is that uh, Korea has retained its monarchy and that um, the modern day crown prince gets betrothed to this like common high school girl and um their arranged marriage kind of ends up in them falling in love and it's like the very typical early 2000s like cutesy rom-com teen um teen drama so um this was Joji Hoon's uh debut Korean drama previously i believe he worked as a model um and I remember I really, even now looking back, I mean, this Princess Hours was enjoyable back then that time. I remember watching it. Um, but his acting was just like, it was passable. <laughs> I mean, I mean, sorry to say, but you know, when it's a debut um, K-drama, it's not very usual for them to have exceptional like acting skills because usually they're rookie actors or uh it's very rare to find somebody like i don't know uh park bogum that came out and was just like amazing already or song jung ki who when he did song 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 kyung song kyung wants Anyways, when he debuted in his first Korean drama, that he was actually already pretty, pretty impressive. Um, so, Juju Hyun was one of those, like, very plenty back in the early 2000s who used to be, like, a model or a K-pop idol that became an actor. Um, and then, amazingly enough, I wasn't really following his career. I haven't really watched a lot of his... Um, his dramas after that even though i had enjoyed princess hours um and then i think like about a couple years ago i came across uh his movie called along with the gods uh which was two movies it was along with the gods and along with the gods of two worlds um and then I was just like floored. I was like, hey, it's the dude. It's the crown prince from Princess Hours. And surprisingly enough, his acting was like so much better, um, which probably is just a shock to me because I, like I said, I wasn't following his career. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, so it was just kind of like fun to see that he he has grown a lot as an actor. Um, and then here in Kingdom, you really see, um, like the peak of Juji Hood's like skill as an actor because, um, funnily enough, he was a crown prince on his debut and now he is also vi being really famous in this role as a crown prince. Um, but in season one, you see how he is tortured by the fact that he doesn't feel like he has a legitimate um, claim to the throne because he, even though he is the crown prince, his mom is actually a concubine. And um, if you know a little bit about court politics in Sagux is that um, there is definitely a ranking between the princes. 
so somebody could be a crown prince, but would not really hold that much power in court compared to a crown prince or a first prince that is um, the son of like the queen or something. So um, there's definitely hierarchies. But in the setting of kingdom, um, there hasn't really been like a crown prince from um, the queen. So uh, Li Chang definitely was kind of like the strongest contender for the throne. But he has his own like historic, historic, heroic journey to go through. And that's what's very beautiful to see um, from season one and transitioning to season two. Because you really see Juji Hoop subtly like develop this character uh, from somebody who was not confident at all for as a prince to somebody towards the end that was somebody that was... I would say uh, is very fitting to ascend to the throne as the king of Joseon. Um, Like a leader that cares for his people um, and rather than gaining that throne for the power that it holds. Um, Like I said, I was just, I, I am still like at awe at, the amazingness of how his his journey is throughout uh season one and season two. Um I commented on um Twitter, which you guys can follow at Peach Neon Pink. Neon has two ends. So um you guys can actually follow uh our socials. But I I tweeted something on Twitter right after I finished or rather binge watch season two this past weekend. Um, the fact that, um, going back to the whole beautiful, gorgeous cinematography of the whole series in both season one and season two is that there is a particular scene that just struck me so, so much in season two. There was a scene where, uh, Lee Chang is entering the palace wearing, um, like an off-white, uh, hanbok. Like it, his kind of like morning, uh, outfit that they usually wear in Seiguks. Um, and he comes in and it's like just almost pristine, off white. He shows his, um, ID, the ID thingy, um, and walks in like definitely a hero walk. It's like very badass looking. He has his people behind him. And it's this very heroic walk. But then as that whole sequence progresses, as he is fighting off and killing off these monsters, his off-white handbook like just um gradually, gradually gets stained with blood. Um that eventually towards the end of season two in um season six uh season two in episode six sorry um that it's at that there's a moment when it's almost completely blood red like a bright blood red and he's standing at um that room where all of his ancestors are and it is like a stark red like blood stained like uh hanbok 
um, almost, like I said on the tweet that I tweeted out, that almost signifying that it's almost eerily similar to the 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 king's um, traditional uh, red uh, clothing that he wears at court. Um, kind of like this this subtle visual cue to us, the viewers, that he has come to a point in the story that legitimately he is befitting to be the king of Joseon. Um, he underwent a journey in which he has shown that he is the person he is worthy to ascend into the throne. And it's just like this beautiful symbolism that when I remember watching it, I was just like, oh my God, it's so gorgeous to watch because the story was so well written and visually the cinematography follows that story and just enhances it and keeps you on your toes because there's this beautiful sweeping like shots of like the snow um the palace and everything and the the colors are amazing they're so beautiful this is what i've said in many um times that i've talked about historical dramas or seguks is that what's so beautiful about it is that color wise it's gorgeous there's so many bright colors um and you see that there is this bright contrast of the world inside Hanyang in um, the capital's, capital city compared to the people outside of the capital city that are wearing just like browns and like kind of like tan clothing compared to them wearing their, these opulent like hanboks. That it's just this contrast between the classes that there is that rich privileged class out there that... Um, that are not like you know usually getting stained with blood you know so it was it's there is this interplay between visually what you see on the screen and the story that they're trying to tell um which i i just can't like speak more praises about it because you'd have to watch it to appreciate the cinematography of it um backing track again let me talk about the other uh people in the cast we have uh the main villain, Cho Hakju of the Hewon Cho clan, uh, he is the uh, the counselor. Uh, he's played by a uh, very well known actor, uh, Ru Seung Rong. Seung Rong, um, you might recognize him from the very like heart wrenching, um, Korean movie Miracle in Cell Number Nine which is being remade in several other Asian countries. It is, trust me, it's not one of those uh, movies that you should watch when you're feeling particularly like sad or depressed because it, it will just spiral you into more depression. It's just a very sad movie. Um, there is like hopeful parts in it, but it's just in general just a tearjerker. Um, but very good Korean movie if you ever uh, want to check it out. Um, he is already, I already knew that Cho Hak-ju is going to be like a very formidable villain in the story because he, Ru Seung Rong plays characters like almost method. He is so good at playing um, any character that he embodies. And when he's playing a villain, he is just, 
nasty. He is despicable, probably the least, the person with the least moral, like the least ethics in him, uh, the, the least, um, the least person to have any like humanity in him. Um, which also his character makes me beg the question throughout watching kingdom is that are the people infected really the monsters or is it this person who's just like so greedy to get the power uh within joseon that he's willing to do anything he's willing to sacrifice innocent lives and turn them into zombies so um it kind of has the same like social commentary that you um that you feel from watching um, Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. I mean, everybody knows Parasite nowadays since it's won the Academy Awards. Um, but it is like the same sh- social commentary that who are the real monsters? I mean, perhaps it's not these people, these peasants, there's uh, the lower class that got infected that are actually the monsters. Maybe it's the people up there on the top um, the people with privilege that are trying to gain um, power within the system. And like I said, Rusio Sunrong just does a brilliant, amazing job of portraying this villain. Um, I was not at any point, I mean, I was sympathetic at a tiny little pit apart, probably on like the latter half of episode uh, five, maybe, or so around that time, or the latter half of the season two. But in general, he's just such a despicable character, and he does receive this comeuppance or uh, his just just desserts, like his just 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 end, uh, from a character that's more cruel and less of a human, and actually more of a psychopath. Um. And that's actually his daughter, uh, Queen Consort Cho, who is played by a rookie actress, Kim Hae-jun. Hey Hae-jun. Um, she is a newer actor, but she does so well in playing this, like, psychopathic queen. Like, um, <laughs> I mean, we, we've all, if you are from the West, you've seen, um, your fair share of this type of character, most notably in Game of Thrones, you know, Cersei. Um, but she just placed it off so... Like, you in the beginning, you already were like, man, she is some manipulative bitch. Like, it's like... <laughs> it's like she really is one of those, like, psychopathic characters that doesn't care if she burns the world. And it's like... It's crazy fun to watch because this actress has such, uh, I wouldn't say like, she has like a baby face. Like at first glance, you would think that she's quite innocent. But then that's what's more scary about watching uh, this villain character because she looks like she's so innocent and nice. Um, but she's not. She's a crazy, <laughs> crazy queen. Um a standout character um, who is like the physician or nurse character, the medical person, um, is Seobi. Uh, Seobi, She is played by Beiduna, who is, again, one of the like A-list premier actresses in Korea. Um, 
you might remember her from Cloud Atlas, the Hollywood movie. She was also in Sense8. Uh, that's on Netflix. Um, she's done a lot of Western um, productions. But she's also, I mean, very well known in Korea. And her character is just like... I remember watching season two and as a person who works in the healthcare field, I was just like, my heart goes at her because literally she's like the only like medical professional that knows the, what they're doing. And she is literally overwhelmed by this like plague of monsters. And she's trying to figure out how these people are getting infected. What is the resurrection plan? Like, how is that related to people coming back from the dead how is that causing people to turn into monsters and she's like just she is like a doctor a nurse she's like a a scientist she is a detective all rolled into one character and she's so badass and so she just like she's like one of those female characters that you're like oh my god she is amazing and it's much more amazing because She's played by such a such a great actress. Um, a uh, a uh, worthwhile um mention for supporting characters is Mu Young, who is uh Lee Chang's uh like main guard, uh played by veteran actor Kim Sang Hong. Did so well with. A character that is kind of boxed in and uh, a little bit of a cliche character. Um, I'm not going to spoil what his character does, but it's it's quite a cliche character for Korean dramas. Same with uh, the character Bompal, uh, played by John Suk-ho, who is another character actor that's quite famous. Um, this is like the bumbling comedic relief character type of the show, uh, quite cliche as well in Korean dramas, but they do, both of them do so well in like that tiny, tiny role, not tiny. It's like a supporting role that doesn't have much leeway to kind of develop. Um, there is a cameo in the end of season two that if you are a fan of korean dramas or korean movies you would be like screaming like i was when the last couple of minutes in season two was running uh which i will not spoil but you can probably go on the internet and figure out yourself um so yeah did i say everything i want to say about kingdom probably not i'm probably gonna like tweet on the socials about a lot more of my feelings as i process through it throughout the week but um if you're like me and you're the kind of person that's just like um want wants to be ironic and what wants to watch a show about like a uh, a disease going around in the midst of this time of a pandemic going on in a real world. Uh, maybe you would also find this series to be very compelling. <laughs> um, but if you are that type of person that scares easily or kind of just like doesn't want to have something that's remotely related um, to real life, uh, 
or can be compared and symbolic to real life issues, world issues right now. Um, you know, maybe, maybe not. But for me, as a person who does love this genre of uh, Korean dramas, added with the fact that it is a zombie apocalypse type of movie, I mean, it's quite comforting to me. Um, knowing that, hey, uh, we do have this pandemic going around, COVID-19 is going around, coronavirus, but at least it's not like flesh-eating zombies that move in the speed of like, you know, Olympic runners. Um, so, you know, it's strangely comforting. Anyways, um, stay tuned for the K-pop section of this uh, podcast. Let me know what you think about Kingdom. Were you one of the people like me who were waiting to see season two? Do you think there's going to be season three? I think there will be because they left it at a cliffhanger. Um, let me know on the socials. Did you notice that the young king, um, spoiler, spoiler, is actually the same act, the young actor, child actor who played Pilgu in uh, When the Camellia Blooms? Uh, I don't know if you knew that, but it's kind of fun to know. Um, what do you think is going to happen in season three? If there is a season three, it's probably going to show next year. Usually takes them quite a while to produce these very highly cinematic um, short one series, even because it's with Netflix. Um, yeah, let me know and stay tuned for the next section of the podcast. Like I said, when we talk about K-pop.
Hey, and we are back on the K-pop section of Peach Neon Pink Ramblings, the podcast where I talk about everything Korean entertainment, especially K-pop that we're going to talk about right now. We're going to talk about a little bit of more fun music, I want to say. Um, just because sometimes when reality is a bit dim, a bit bleak, like how the past few weeks have been you kind of want to listen to songs that bring about a little bit of happiness so we're gonna talk about those songs i guess (laughs) first song that i'm gonna talk about is a song any song um by korean artist zico um a little bit about this uh, song, Woo Ji Ho, better known by his stage name Zico, is a South Korean rapper, record producer, singer, songwriter, and the leader of the boy group Block B. He has since released three solo albums, including Gallery, Television, and Thinking, uh, of which its two parts were released separately. Um, Zico has always been like a very quite a prolific singer-songwriter um like i said he like i just mentioned he is also the leader of a k-pop boy group um and i've always actually like listened to his music i think i might have jumped maybe not but uh one of the songs i really love from him is uh, soulmate which featured iu um which is such such a good song um we're gonna talk about the song any song <laughs> um this was released back in january uh, of this year so um it it is a song which they call in k-pop as an all kill which it means that it has pretty much all killed like killed all of the uh the charts um in k-pop meaning that it topped all of the Korean real-time digital charts. Um, and, oh my god, it's this is such a infectious sound. Because when you listen to this song, first of all, it got quite like this viral following on this platform called tiktok if you're a millennial you probably know what tiktok is i'm i don't really know much about it but i do know it's like people a lot of the content is people doing dance challenges and there was like an any song challenge that went viral on there on that platform and this was the song behind it it's there they have these like cute like dance moves um and you upload it online and then a whole bunch of Korean celebrities, actors, um, TV pers- personalities, like did covers or the the challenge, the any song challenge, um, so much that he um, he didn't really like uh, promote in any of like the normal, like traditional way of promoting um, K-pop newly released K-pop songs in Korea. Um, that they go on the music shows on Inkigayo or um, M Countdown or anything like that, Music Bank. So he hasn't really, like, 
promoted in those shows yet this song is just sweeping the nation just because it's so catchy it definitely has a lot of like a rap undertone to it but it also has this fun kind of retro almost jazzy r&b um vibe to it throughout the song even in the beginning there is like this initial piano like notes playing um and then it just progresses into this fun like song um that's just like in general it's it's talks about like insecurities and life and like living your life and stuff but the melody and the beat to it is just like really fun to hear um so i could really understand why it became viral um I myself have been trying to learn the dance steps, but I am no dancer and have two left feet, so um, <laughs> it's not going well. But the beauty about the Eddie Song Challenge is that it is like easy enough for like the general public to follow. So, and then you can the whole idea between it being an any song is that you can put your own spin to the song in in, in whichever way you'd like. Um, so it's like kind of fun to put your own like dance moves while you're doing the challenge um so yeah it's i am looking forward to listening to more of zico's music um lately i've been playing it in the car listening to it after work um only because a lot of his songs are are rap based but a lot of it has like this bright um feeling to it um i mean it does talk about a lot of like social issues and like a lot of deeper themes but in general the melody of the song much like and uh much of much of his discography um like any song is is like uh kind of like a bright sunshiny feeling to it so it instantaneously makes me like cheer up um it's definitely one of those songs that is fun to listen to with a group of people when you're hanging out. So um, definitely check out um, any song by Zico. Um, if you are, uh, as usual, on Anchor.fm or you have a premium Spotify account and you're listening on Spotify uh, to this podcast, you would have heard a snippet of any song before this section of the podcast if not there is also amazing um, non-copyrighted music as usual play um yeah (laughs) so um we're gonna talk about another um south korean singer his name is dean uh we're gonna talk about his song instagram since we're talking about like viral social media stuff um a little bit about dean oh god i still have seasonal allergies okay um (laughs) a little bit about dean his uh name is kwon hyuk he's better known by his stage name dean is a south korean alternative r&b singer songwriter rapper and record producer in 2016, he released his debut EP, 130 Mood, as well as multiple collaborations with both American and South Korean artists. Uh, 
He started quite young. By 18, he was writing tracks for other K-pop stars and took the name uh, Dean from the, act, from the American actor James Dean, whose rebellious image appealed to him um, and signifies his desire to make an impact on the music industry. Um, he did uh, sort of a uh, U.S. debut in 2015. Um and actually, he is quite good friends with Zico. Um, they are part of uh, a rap crew called Fancy Child. Um, so let's talk about his song, Instagram. <laughs> We're going to talk about it right now. It's, it's a song that... Very low-fi type of song. Um, just because it's very soft... It has for me an underlying like very soft or melancholic R&B type of song. Um, it is easy to listen to. The beats are slower, a little bit more chill. Um, it's the type of song that you want to listen to when you're just want to have a, a relaxing type of day, I guess. Um, that's what I wanted to say. Um, what I love about uh, this song is that it is probably just so significantly different from most songs that you would hear normally in K-pop. Um, he, the song, let me see, it's like, uh, it's kind of like also talking about like identity and like a sense of feeling like oneself as how it's reflected on social media. That how uh, in turn like social media like Instagram can feel a bit of uh, emotionally like devoid place like it's empty. Um when in contrast when you hear any song it just seems like it's such a fun beat that it's like a song that seems like they're having so much fun with their friends instagram is more of like feeling lonely and seeing other people's posts and um seeing that they're kind of having a better more fun life than you um I, I really recommend listening to this song just because it's it's so soulful for a song. And I think that's what's very appealing to this uh, for me as a listener. Um, this is probably my, my favorite, favorite, um, or should I say, song of his. Like, he has a lot of songs, but... Um, this is probably my, my favorite song from Dean just because it's, it's, it's sad, but also like very realistic and relatable. I think like, there's a, that's the overall vibe you're going to get from, from this, um, this track. So, um, like always, like I mentioned earlier, you can listen to a snippet of Instagram after the break. 
uh, or after this section. And if not, you're going to hear some amazing non-copyrighted music, like I mentioned earlier. And stay tuned for the K-Beauty section of this podcast. Welcome to the beauty section of Peach Neon Pink Ramblings, the podcast. Uh, this is the last section of podcast number 17. And we're going to talk about, I guess, a topic in Korean beauty that I have talked about before. Um, and kind of in the same vein of what I talked about in the previous podcast episode, which is managing acne. I'm just like the type of person to have combination oily skin, so I do break out quite easily. Um, my skin is just very temperamental. Like it needs to have the exact like moisture and dryness for it not to just break out in oily like grossness all over my face. Um, so I do tend to try out a lot of acne preventative or acne treatment um, products. Um, I know in the last podcast episode, I talked about um, a pink eraser um, from Neogen. Um, I also talked about, I've always like talked about COSRX, my favorite uh, Centella blemish cream that I still use up to this day. Um, I kind of use a combination of acne products nowadays just because I... I don't know why I think it's just the stress of the past few weeks that I keep getting like humongous zits on my face coupled with like teeny tiny ones that are just red and painful so a lot of like hormonal cystic acne 
with like teeny tiny ones that are just like annoying and just painful so um i've been using the cost rx centella blemish cream um on it and it calms down the redness and everything and then i also use the neogen pink eraser one um just just to kind of like um kill like the infection of the acne um but it has salicylic acid so it's it's quite harsh on the skin so most of the time i have to alternate it between the two um when i go to sleep because when it the salicylic acid starts working on my face my i think my skin just goes angry and go like i'm just gonna be more red so um i know i mentioned in the last podcast episode that i use that product and i do love it i i actually think that it's it's very um effective there's a variant that's like from etted house as well that i talked about last time um but i wanted to talk about um pimple patches so Pimple patches or acne patches actually have became a huge thing now recently. Um, not just in Korean beauty, but it seems like everybody's manufacturing them. They have like ones that are shaped like flowers. There's ones that are shaped like stars. Um, I'm not really a fan of the really fancy ones that have like designs because for one, I don't think I will wear it out anyway. And then I barely wear the regular normal um patches out so it's like why would i wear something that's like stars or flowers on my face um so i i rather really like um use like normal pimple patches um i think i mentioned it before um on a previous probably the first like couple episodes of the uh the podcast but um I use this brand called uh, Rael, which pro- makes like um, kind of like acne um, pimple patches, but also they make like feminine hygiene products. So um, I use the one that is just a regular, the Rael Acne Healing Patch, which is blemish blemish spot treatments it contains like 24 different patches in two different sizes i usually use like the 12 12 millimeter size one because usually my acne is quite big and it doesn't really like cover if i use the 10 millimeter one but sometimes i use the 10 millimeter ones on the little tiny ones um but i really like this acne healing patch because um, I can actually wear it underneath makeup and it doesn't like show up as badly as um, like the COSRX ones. Um, and it's also less expensive because they're like about $7 on Amazon and then you can order them like f- 15 packs of them and then deliver it on the same day if you have Prime. So um, they have a variation of it called the Royal Micro Needle acne healing patch and this is the one that has a tiny teeny tiny needles that inject like medication the hydrolonic and tea tree oil into your zit so it actually heals it a lot faster um i've also tried that one and it's actually quite good as well um but it only comes with like nine patches and 
a little bit more expensive. It's like about like $12, $13 for a pack. And when I have a lot of breakouts, it's not really that um it's not really that cheap to have a whole bunch of them to use since I usually use like at least a good like five or seven of them on my breakouts um every night. So it's kinda gets really expensive. So I usually use the cheaper kinda <laughs> regular pimple healing patch alternately with my other acne fighting um products um i wanted to talk about a little about the cost rx12 as well because they have a version of the rail that's a little bit more i don't know if it's a little bit more expensive around the say like about eight dollars i think um this one is the cost rx clear fit master patch um, but they kind of run a little bit, like, I would say smaller because they only come in like 10 millimeter. So that was the reason why I kind of just stopped using the Cost RX Clear Fit Master Patch ones, even though I, I had a few of those. Because even though they're really good about dealing with acne or huge acne, they're kind of smaller and it doesn't cover my huge, like, hormonal acne. Um, I've also used their, um, normal ones, which is the Cos RX, what is it called? It's only, like, blanking out. Uh, the Cos RX Acne Pimple Master Patch, but this one doesn't have, um, it doesn't have, like, the staying power of, of the thinner one. And also, it kind of really shows in a bump, so you can't really use it out if you need to underneath makeup. Um, but this come in, like, a lot more sizes. There's a really big one that you can just slap on your face, um, and it really helps breakouts. I've also used uh, one from Dr. Jart, which is a brand that I actually really like. I used their... Uh, um, their Tiger... Uh, uh, what you call it? their um version their tiger grass or a centella version of um their color correction cream um underneath my makeup underneath as a like a primer type of product and it it's like I've talked about it before it comes out green and then it kind of blends into your skin tone um anyways I'm a fan of Dr. Jar products um they have one that's called the focus spot um blemish micro tip patch and this is similar with the Royale one that has tiny, tiny micro needles that uh, inject like hydrolonic acid. Uh, and then this one comes instead of tea tree oil with vitamin B3 and peptides. So it speeds up like how the infection is going on inside your, 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 your zit. And then it prevents scarring. But also, like the Royale micro needle one, this comes like with. I think like six patches and it's like close to 20 bucks, I believe, um, on Sephora. So they're like expensive because like I said before with the Royale, I actually use quite a few of them on my, my face at night. So it's not really like cost effective to put like six of them at one time. 
Um, but they are, uh, the ones with the micro tip or the micro needle ones that have hyaluronic acid is actually quite effective in minimizing the days that I have the, um, the breakout. Um, but also I, I always tend to think while I'm putting them on my face that it's so much more expensive, um, than it really is. Um, but, uh, if I can give you guys a tip, you know, we never, um, if you want to, we never want to like be like wasting money. If you just have normal breakouts, there's a lot of, um, the band aid type of, um, companies that make them. Um, there's one that's from next care. That's an acne blemish cover that works totally fine. Um, I would actually, um, because pimple patches are actually just hydrocolloid um, bandages. So um, hydrocolloid bandages have this kind of like, um, kind of gel, not jelly, but kind of like a squishy like layer to it. That's um, hydropho, um, it's hydropho, uh, which I, what am I trying to say? Hydrophobic. So it keeps, um keeps like dirt from that you get during the day or like when you sleep to go inside the zit and kind of cause more of an infection so i actually bought um like a pack of like uh hydrocolloid bandages um this this one was a brand at target called welly um it's just because i like that it came in like a tin can and it's you know i can put my other pimple patches in there but it's just the size of like a normal band-aid and i find it much more cost effective because i can slap like just like one or two of them over my zits and it actually works so much better and much more cost effective so those are a little bit of my tips of uh how to deal with acne using pimple patches or acne patches i hope you guys found that useful um so yeah Hey, it's the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as usual, let me know what you want me to talk about at anchor.fm forward slash peach neon pink forward slash message. Neon has two ends. Or more easily, you can tweet me at our socials at peach neon pink. Neon again has two ends. I also have my website, um, www.peachneonpink.com peach neon pink neon again has two ends.com uh which actually since now that we're doing a lot of social distancing and trying to stay at home um i'm gonna have time to actually try to update my website um in the next few weeks um what else oh definitely help flatten the curve if you can stay at home if you are like me and you do have to go to work uh wash your hands a lot like sing your favorite k-pop song or hum your favorite like soundtrack from a korean drama that you like or something uh while you're washing your hands just to do at least 20 seconds of vigorous rubbing with soap and water on your hands every time i can't stress that enough 
I know the feeling that your hands are going to get dry because I deal with that every day uh, as part of my job. But trust me, it's better to have dry skin. You can apply lotion later or like moisturize later, but it's better to have clean hands. And let's try to like stop uh, spreading this coronavirus further. Um, stay safe out there. Stay healthy. And I will be speaking with you guys soon, hopefully.